Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans for fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. Welcome to the Milwaukee Brewer, um, the Milwaukee Brewers Brew Crew Review Podcast. Uh, joining us today, I've got my co-host today, Vince and Scott, uh, calling in via satellite. Um, and joining us today is one of our show's all-time favorite baseball players, and that's Tim Dillard. Uh, welcome, yeah. Tim. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Are you in, you're on a satellite? You in, you're in space right now? <laughs> um, well, I would be, but it wasn't in the budget. But this is the best I could do. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> so, Brewer fans, we wanted to to celebrate Tim Dillard's couple decades in baseball. Um, he, if you haven't heard, uh, on March 10th. Uh, Tim Dillard, uh, he announced his retirement from baseball. So uh, we were all very sad to hear that, but uh, we wanted to celebrate his incredible journey um, since being drafted by the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, he's gone through quite the journey, made it all the way up to the big leagues and became a social media sensation and uh, all that stuff. And as you can see by his background, he's also a big Star Wars fan. So welcome, Tim. Yeah, the biggest part of that is Star Wars fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad. I'm glad everybody's sad. Everybody's been reaching out on Twitter, like you know, like, oh man, you're leaving, you're retiring. This is so sad. My wife didn't think it was very sad. She's like, about time, <laughs> about time that you're going to retire like ten years ago and you just kept playing. <laughs> right, so, uh, um, we, we want to start out way at the beginning, uh, Tim. Um, obviously, your dad, Steve Dillard, was drafted by the Red Sox in 1970. And he played for four MLB teams for eight seasons from 1975 to 1982. And although you were born after his playing career ended, um, what was it like having a dad that was a big leaguer? It was awesome. I don't even know if it really dawned on me they played in the big leagues till I got older. That <laughs> was just always like, yeah, that's my dad, you know, whatever. We were in spring training and uh, he was coaching with the Astros and he was like, uh, he introduced me to Jim Rice. He was wow. like, yeah, we were teammates together. And I was like, I know who Jim Rice is. I got tons of, you know, baseball cards. And I was like, wow, that's legit. But it never dawned on me, like, wait, wait, you were teammates with him? Like, you were teammates with Carl Ustrimsky? You know, Carlton Fisk? Like, it's a big deal, you know, especially as I get older. Uh, but at the time growing up, he was just, he was just dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty, that was about, that's about it. <laughs> so when we found some of the, uh, the, the interviews that we sent you earlier today from back in 2006 and 2007, you mentioned in one of those uh, videos that you had a diamond in your backyard. Is that because of yeah. uh, your dad wanting you to get into baseball or, or what led to that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, by the time I could, you know, walk, I could hold a baseball or swing a bat. I mean, it was just kind of, I had two older brothers. And they were really into baseball. And so I was into baseball probably just because of them. And this baseball field appeared in our backyard overnight. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> we grew up in Florida. And my, my dad, when he was uh, going to coach in the Gulf Coast League for the White Sox after he retired, he wanted, you know, my mom wanted it like a really nice house or whatever. And my dad just really wanted a really nice backyard. So he got this really small, you know, old, like a hundred year old house, really tiny to me, it was huge. But as I got older, I realized it was, <laughs> I'm like, this house is shrinking the bigger, you know, every year, um, that I got bigger. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, but the backyard was completely flat, had amazing grass. And it was just like a couple of acres. And he just, in his mind, he saw a baseball field back there and then he made it happen. So 
Yeah, awesome. I grew up and we had bases with dirt around it. We had a mound, we had a backstop and a batting cage. I mean, I'm just disappointed. I wish I was, I wish I would have been a better baseball player. <laughs> <laughs> 20 year professional Dad, is pretty good chance. tim <laughs> i did my best no. oh, awesome <laughs> well if it if it helps tim i actually had a uh, we built a baseball diamond in in my backyard as well and i never even played high school baseball i don't think i got that <laughs> ball so i mean he certainly did, did significantly better than me Tim, you've also got uh, two brothers, uh, Andy and Jeff, who played professional uh, independent baseball. So what was it like growing up with, you know, two other brothers that uh, were, were into baseball and, and were you a mentor to them or they to you or how did that work? Uh, they, I mean, I was, I, was, um, I was just kind of the low man. I would do whatever. So my brothers are like, hey, we're going to practice shortstop today. Go play first. I was like, all right. So I'm over at first and, I, you know. Not every throw is perfect, so I learned how to play first base. And then they're like, "All right, we want to turn a double play. Go play second. So then it's like, "All right, well, I got to turn." You know, learning how to turn a double play at second. And then they're like, "All right, we're going to play second. You turn the shortstop double play." I'm like, "All right, here we go." It's like we want to take throws from third. You know, so all right, so now I got to learn third. And then one of my brothers was like, "Hey, I want to pitch," and uh, so I was like, "Okay, I'll be a catcher." And that's kind of where it, it started for me. I really liked catcher because you're in on every pitch, and you still get to hit. And you just, you see the field differently than everybody else. And yeah. I don't know, that was, that's kind of where it started. They just, you know, see a need, fill a need, which is kind of my career. You know, if there's a need, <laughs> maybe I can fill it. So yep. I don't know, maybe that's where it started. I'm just thinking about this now. It makes sense. It does. It really does. Having a moment. Now, <laughs> I'm now kidding. You I'm that. not retiring. <laughs> Come back. <laughs> um, you mentioned catcher yeah. and yeah. You were originally actually drafted as a catcher. I think the first time, if that's right, you you both were originally times, yeah. drafted by the Brewers. Both uh, both times the Brewers drafted you was as a catcher. Yeah. And then you eventually made it. Now you had some obviously you had some good years pitching as well, even before you were drafted. If I'm not mistaken. I mean, I like to think so, but uh, no. <laughs> I don't know the Brewers. The Brewers, you know, I. I was a kind of an anomaly when it came to catching because I could hit a little bit. Um, I had a really good arm behind the plate, but I could block anything. I remember my, when I told my dad I wanted to be a catcher, he took me out in the yard and just started hitting fungos at me and said, block these. Wow. <laughs> you know? And so I'm learning how to block and, you know, got over that fear of just getting hit. So for me, all the stuff around catching was super important uh, to the point where my dad used to time me putting my catching gear on and off. So like, say, wow, you know, the, the third outs made, I run in the dugout, you know, Superman in a phone booth, get this stuff off, got my back, go hit. Let's say I make last out, you know, I want to get back to the dugout and get on the field before, you know, the other team gets off the field. So like all the little things uh, I really emphasize of like trying to do. And, and all that was taken away when the Brewers were like, no, nah, man, you can pitch better than you can catch. And I'm like, no, but I don't know. They, they were like, we think you have a longer career as a pitcher. And, uh, and that was, and that was 20 years ago. So did, I think did that, I think they were right. I don't know. Did that experience yeah. help, help you to relate to your catchers as you pitched, uh, for the last 20 seasons? Yeah. In some ways kind of, you know, I have a heart for catchers. I can understand them probably more than maybe most pitchers, but at the same time, I'm very particular, you know, I want them to be I able bet. to keep up with me. My signs are all over the place. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, and, and, and they're the things I want to do are kind of unconventional, especially when I went sidearm. So I was very particular. There's only about a handful of guys I would, I would trust with my life. 
Very, very good. And one other quick follow-up. So what was it that the Brewers uh, particularly were noticing about you and why was it the Brewers that were so focused on you to draft you two different times? Yeah, I have no idea. Um, I was playing a high school game, my senior year of high school, and I, I had like the best game ever. I was catching and I went like four for four with two home runs and a double and a single. I think I stole a base. I threw oh. three people out on the base paths and I came in the last inning, the seventh inning, and struck out the side. So like, that was the best I'd ever been, and that's a pretty probably good still game. ever. <laughs> yeah, that's a, I was gonna say that's, that's a game. Yeah. pretty good showing. <laughs> yeah, that's what that plaque over there is for. No, uh-huh. um, but there, but uh, the the brewer there was a brewer scout there and a royal scout, and um, they asked me to stay. We were on the road too. We took the school bus to whatever. I don't even know what city we were at, um, and they asked if the coach for the other team if they could leave the lights on so I could take batting practice on the field because they wanted to watch me, you know, swing it. And so one of them had a Buick LeSabre, like a rental car, and they opened up the trunk and it just had wooden bats. And so like I, I grabbed a C-271 out of there, didn't have any, you know, pine tar, no batting gloves. And they moved this to the backstop and my dad uh, was going to throw to me and I've only been hitting off him my entire life. So they put the L screen on about home plate to just kind of back up, mm-hmm. back it up a little bit. And anyway, started taking batting practice and I was just crushing balls, you know, right field, center field, left field. It's like the best I'd ever felt. And, um, I don't know. I think they saw a lot of potential there. They were just like, and they kept asking me like, so no one's talked to you. Like no one's tried to you know, talk to you about getting drafted or anything like this. And I was like, Nope. Whack. You know, just hitting his balls. Uh, and it was in that moment. Yeah. It was in that moment where I took a swing on a, a pitch up and in and I subluxed my shoulder. My shoulder actually slipped out of place and came back my left shoulder. And um, what I didn't know is that was pretty much leading to the end of my catching career. I ended up having surgery that October and uh, spent my whole first year in college kind of rehabbing that. And then by the time I came around my second year of junior college, um, they were ready for me to pitch. I was doing good at pitching. I was doing good at catching, but you know, they didn't know if that injury could affect further on. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I kind of swung my way out of the game in that regard, but I was good. I was good. That's great. Football clear over the (laughs) football clear over the mountains. Yeah. What a a story. (laughs) Awesome. So then after finally signing with the Brewers, um, obviously they sent you to Helena for your first year of rookie ball in 2003. And then 2004, you moved on to the Beloit Snappers and had 10 saves with that team. And then finally in 2005, you were an all-star with the Class A uh, Brevard County Manatees and went 12 and 10 with a 2.48 ERA. You had two shutouts um, and you were named the Brewers minor league pitcher of the year. Tell us about those first couple of years as a minor leaguer and what were some of the highlights for yourself? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, you just kind of get your feet wet. I remember 2004 in Beloit. Um, it was a really tough year because it's the first full season. Uh, the year before I had finished up college, had about a week off, um, met, met, uh, went to Arizona spring training or extended spring training and then was there a couple months and then got called up to, um, Montana for like the last month. And, uh, but it, you know, we were done and I was like, oh, okay, cool. That was fun. And then came back to spring training the next year that starts in, you know, early February at that time. And, uh, I don't know, by the time September rolls around, I was completely exhausted. So the first full season for, um, any player is probably the toughest thing. I remember thinking, I don't know if I've, I don't know how much I like baseball because it's so hard and so grueling, um, but yeah, I came back in 05 and I felt like I really had my legs underneath me and my arm. I was determined and I knew what I was doing. And 
I don't know. It, baseball got really fun uh, mm. for me right around that time. And plus we played in Florida at all these spring training parks. So anytime I gave up a bomb, you know, it was a double and it wasn't going over the fence because the parks were so big. So yeah, that was. <laughs> you, so you, uh, you spent much of 2007 and 2008 then as a member of the Nashville sounds and AAA. Um, and in 2007, you were visited by our host, Scott, in that video that I sent you today. And he asked you about a Mississippi mud ball. Do you actually remember this conversation with us back, uh, back in 2007? Uh, I actually didn't watch that video. Uh, I watched the one from Huntsville the year from before. From Huntsville. Mississippi okay. mud ball. We, uh, so it was around the same time as Dice K had come into the league with Boston. And uh, uh, yeah, it's yeah, Euro yeah. ball. So the gyro, we, the gyro ball. ball or, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So we... Nice we in our infinite wisdom decided to, to ask you about a Mississippi mud ball and you were kind enough to play along with us on, uh, in the, in the clips. Just curious if you had any memories of Scott in that first interview that, uh, that he did with you. Yeah. I, you know, it's something about players. If you're not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm way more comfortable now, honestly, uh-huh. than I was at that time. Uh, players are always afraid to say the wrong thing because they don't really know anybody. So if somebody puts a microphone in their face, they just right. stick the cliches, right? They're, you know, it's like the Ricky mom. Bobby, Ricky Bobby, you know, the car, <laughs> car ran good, car ran good. Yeah, you yeah. Know. Uh, it was a team, it was a team win, you know, sometimes it rains. Uh-huh. Uh, and so that's, that's what I got from, you know, those interviews. I was just like the whole time in my brain, I'm just going, don't say anything stupid. Don't say anything stupid. But now, now I don't even care anymore. <laughs> Scott, Scott's a very intimidating guy too. So no, it's completely understood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. The only thing I remember from that interview is it was the first time I actually did an interview. And then when we were all done, like I was so relieved that it was over and I was probably like covered in flop sweat or something. And I, I just remember like, uh, <laughs> you said to me the minute it ended, you're like, Hey, so did I do all right? Like that was my first real interview. And I was like, he's worried about himself in this. I never, it never even occurred to me that you would be even the slightest bit nervous. I don't know why. (laughs) Well, I mean, it it was, I remember it was only like, I don't know, the middle of the summer in, uh, in Alabama or or, or, uh, Tennessee. So yeah, it was hot. We were both sweating. (laughs) that's right it's like um, uh, are you nervous i think so i don't know i'm just so hot <laughs> uh. so, so then um in your uh finally in may of 2008 uh after spending some nice years obviously in double a AA and triple a with the sounds um you finally got to call the big leagues um and you made your major league to be against the nationals on may 23rd <laughs> And you follow Jeff Zupan and Brian Schaus with a clean eighth inning and striking out now Yankee manager Aaron Boone for your first major league strikeout. Can you, can you tell us all like pretty much all about the excitement of getting that call to the big leagues for the first time? Sure. Yeah. I didn't know it was the eighth inning. I didn't know that's when I came in. (laughs) I tell the story. I'm like, I think it was a blowout and I was in there about the fifth or sixth inning. (laughs) But our, anyway, our wow. interns did some great research on this. Yeah, right. <laughs> setup man, the setup man. My bad. Um, that wasn't a loss, so unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, we were going to go on a road trip to uh, play the Redbirds in Memphis, <clears throat> and I was in Nashville. Got a call early that morning. Uh, luckily, I'd, I'd gotten a cell phone not long before that, so that helped. And uh, shows how long ago it was. But I got a call, and uh, manager was like, "Hey, uh, what are you doing?" I'm like get my stuff together I'm about to come to the field and and you know go on the road trip he goes no he's like come get your stuff but go to the airport because you're flying 
to uh, Washington, D.C. to meet the team. Oh, yeah, you got called up to the big leagues. I was like, oh, cool. I was like, wow, um, yeah, thanks. So hung up. I was like, honey, leave this. I was like, I got called up. And um, like I said, it was like 6 a.m. maybe, and she's just like, oh, it's nice. Like, you know. <laughs> no, wake up. We're going to D.C. Yeah. So we like rushed to the field. I get my stuff. And uh, yeah, drove to the airport. She needed a plane ticket and we didn't have any money. So somehow we bought a thousand dollar plane ticket <laughs> to Washington, D.C. Memorial wow. Day weekend, you know, on a on a whim. And uh, luckily we had a credit card. Yay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, got to the got to uh, D.C. She took a cab to the team hotel. I went to straight to the field and the, the cab driver dropped me off on the wrong side of the stadium. He, he thought I was the home team. So. I'm trying to wear a suit to look cool, uh, but I'm, and I'm carrying my big baseball bag. So here I am walking all the way around this billion-dollar stadium, this brand-new stadium yep. that the Nationals built. And I finally walk in the clubhouse, and they're like, you're late. Get your stuff. Get out there. Play catch. So I change. I run out. I play catch with Marcus Hanel. Came right back inside. They're like, you're late. You need to get on the field for the National Anthem. <laughs> so I changed wow. my jersey. And uh, – Went out there, got the national anthem, walked out to the bullpen, sat in left field, just kind of kicking it. And uh, I, it felt like no time had passed when they called down. They were like, get Dillard hot. So I get up, I start throwing. They're like, call down. Dillard's in the game. So the gate opens and there's like 40,000 people there. And I'm just thinking, don't trip. So I'm like, left, right, left, right, left, right. <laughs> and uh I get out there and Jason Kendall, who has like 16 years in the show, he's incredible. Love the guy. Uh, he comes out and we're going over signs. Right, let's go. And I was like, okay, let's do this. And he kind of looked at me because I said a really aggressive, like, <laughs> let's do this. man. I mean, we, may be, we may have been down by 10 or 15 runs. I don't know. But I was like, that was a bit aggressive. I, and he kind of looks back and he's running back behind the plate and he's kind of looking and he starts talking to the umpire. And I'm trying to loosen up, you know, I'm throwing my pitches and he's talking to the umpire, throwing it back to me and umpire's laughing and pointing at me and he's laughing. And I'm like, man, <laughs> I'm too self-conscious right now. Um, but yeah, the rest of it was a blur. I didn't, I didn't even know I struck out Aaron Boone. Um, I didn't know that like, they took the ball and threw, I think it's on my shelf. I got it up here somewhere. And um, anyway, yeah, I, it was kind of a big deal. And I'm, I'm so proud of Aaron Boone for, um, you know, after I struck him out, I didn't know what was going to happen, but he, uh, he figured it out and still became, you know, a really good big leaguer. Yeah. Went on to manage the Yankees. So it didn't deter him that much, but it was fantastic. <laughs> that, that, uh, 2008 Brewers team was such a fun team for, for those of us as fans just to watch and, uh, CC Sabathia, baby. CC Sabathia. And it was just such a fun year. When you got called up for the first time, were you particularly close with anyone else on that team? Or, or who had you kind of come through the ranks with that you would consider to be kind of your, your closer group of friends with the Brewers? Yeah. Uh, Mitch Stetter was on that team. Um, mm -hmm. I'm trying to think who else. Carlos Villanueva. Yep. Uh, played with Braun, you know, coming up to the minor leagues. Um, trying to think who all was on that team. That I, I mean, I saw everybody in spring training every year. Prince Fielder. Uh, Tony Gwynn Jr., Ricky Weeks. Ricky Weeks, I may have been the first person that Ricky Weeks ever met because they just signed him in July in 2003. And I was getting Gatorade out of the Gatorade cooler next to the door to the spring training complex. And he had just signed and he like walks in the door and he and looked like he didn't know anybody. I was like, hey, man, 
I was like, I'm Tim. <laughs> he was just looking, you know, where do I go? It's like, locker room's that way. <laughs> I'm sure he remembers that. That's awesome. <laughs> but I was like, golly, man. It's like, he, he just had some muscles on him. I was like, I need to get in the weight room. But I didn't know the weight. I was like, he asked me where the clubhouse was. I'm like, where's the weight room? Oh, well, <laughs> that's, that's uh, but yeah, like even guys you just meet too. Um, like I didn't know CC except for watching him dominate with the Indians. Right. And so when mm -hmm. we picked him up, like, who am I? I'm, I'm nobody. And he treated me great. He treated me great. He talked to me all the time. And, you know, I, he let me be the fly on the wall when he's talking, pitching with certain people. And I don't know, it was just, it was pretty fantastic time. You had so many older guys that knew what was going on and just such a group of just amazing up and comers. So I was there at a very cool point and got to see a lot of amazing things. That's great. And, and uh, the three of us, I think we're all actually at Miller Park on the last day of the 2008 season when uh, the Brewers clinched that wild card uh, berth, which was their first playoff uh, appearance in 26 years, which was spanned most of our lives at the time. And so we were pretty <laughs> excited. We celebrated all together that night, but we were actually there at the stadium. And we, I was shooting some video footage for our show at the time, also kind of from the stands. And I, I actually have some footage of you coming in from the bullpen to greet everyone on the mound. Uh, like, was you, I not supposed it, to do it that? Kind of, <laughs> it kind of looked like you were carrying a bunch of people's bags. Oh, do you have any, uh, I don't know, maybe they were yours, but they, you seem to really have some duties to, uh, or, um, as a rookie or something. I'm not sure. But uh, yeah. do you, what, what do you remember about the celebration, I guess, uh, that night? <laughs> Honestly, nothing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> No, it was, it was, it was wild, you know, and you, you kind of have this hierarchy in a good way. Um, I've always been the low man. Like, even if I was in the big leagues right now, I probably would still have to do the candy bag. Right. Like I just, there's people that just have more big league time and that's kind of how things run. And um, yeah, I, I wasn't on like the exact roster uh, for, uh, for the playoff roster or whatever, mm -hmm. but um, I was still a part of the team. And, mm -hmm. but, but that particular moment, everybody kind of ran off. And they have stuff in the bullpen, like jackets, right? Some guys bring little bags of whatever. Uh, when some guys ran off and like their game glove is sitting down there. Wow. And I, I'm one of these people, I'm like, this is awesome and I'm going to celebrate, but this guy's going to really want his glove, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was, I remembered like just trying to stuff everything into the candy bag of like, okay, I, if, if stuff starts spraying everywhere, I don't want this guy's, you know, this guy's Wilson glove to get damaged. So that's kind of how my mind thinks. I'm like, I, I'm celebrating now, but. Like, let's just be, you know, let's make sure our stuff's cool. Let's be responsible first. That's <laughs> yeah. Somebody's got to do it. Yeah. What I remember most about the 2008, I would say, is um, when we get to Philly, it was, uh, it was a circus. And I didn't, get the, I didn't get a chance to be in the dugout or in the bullpen because you could only, at that time, have a certain amount of guys that weren't, right. you know, on the roster. And uh, so I was just in case, you know, if somebody gets hurt and we go to the next round or whatever, you know, they could activate me. And so I'm in the clubhouse in Philly, which is notorious for having the best Philly cheesesteaks in the world. And so, <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting in there. I got nothing else to do. So I was eating a rallied cheesesteak like every other, <laughs> every other inning. Like I was, and I'm like, whoa, this is incredible. What a game. You know, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I just, you know, we, there was no stop in the Phillies that year. They were just, they were just too good. Too many weapons. Yeah, it was a, it was a really good team. Yeah, they ended up winning the World Series that year. Unfortunately, they knocked off the Brewers a wild card round. But I think us as Brewer fans, uh, we were so excited just for that wild card uh, berth. 
yeah. So it was it was quite quite the experience, and of course that would not have been possible without you and CC Sabathia. So we appreciate yeah, your that's yeah, yeah. When people <laughs> think about that team, they're like, yeah, Dillard and and uh, CC. Yeah, those guys were. <laughs> so so moving on then in in, in uh, 2010 you ch- you uh, you change your traditional over the top delivery to a, a sidearm as though, as you had mentioned before um, how did that change come about what made you do that and to, did you experiment with that for a long time before you uh, actually made that transition on a mount in a game wow uh, no no it was very abrupt like very sudden. Um, but what kind of led to it is we finished the 2008 season and I'm, you know, I, I threw hard, had a good slider, mm-hmm. um, did really well in AAA, had like a one ERA. It was a one nine, nine, but it's still a one. That still, uh, counts. ERA. <laughs> still counts. Still counts. And, uh, you know, finished in the big leagues and, and, and did pretty well yeah. there. And then, uh, came back in 2009 and I was one of the first guys sent down and, they said, well, we're sending you down because we need starters. We're going to build you up because we need starters. And if we call you up, you're going to, we're going to call you up to start. So I went to be the best starter in AAA in 09, and, but they called me up and they put me in the bullpen and it was, didn't go well at all. So they ended up taking me off the roster at the end of the 09 season or at the very, very beginning of the year 2010. And uh, anyway, all of a sudden they brought me back to big league camp. I show up in 2010 and they're like, you need to reinvent yourself. They're like, you know, we took you off the roster. Nobody picked you up. We have you. We like you. We think you're big and strong. How, how about you try sidearm? And I was like, Whew. Wow. glad you didn't say knuckleball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can't do that. You had the gyro ball too, but yeah. I had a gyro <laughs> ball. Yeah, no, I was like, hey, sidearm. I'm like, that's better than not having a job. You know, I don't think they worded yeah. it that way, but I think they were like, we really want you to pursue sidearm. And so I threw a bullpen and I didn't know if it was good or not. I just, they really wanted me to work on like making it move and stuff. And so I, I tried to do that. And, um, Stan Kyles was our AAA pitching coach guy I've known for a long time. He pulls me aside and was going, I think you should really buy into this because it kind of fits your personality sidearm. Like you're just, you're weird. And I was like, <laughs> it's like one of those comments where you're like, huh, but he was right. He was right. I, after that, uh-huh. I was, I was all in on sidearm uh, uh-huh. and what that looked like. And I don't know, it definitely bought me some extra years in my career. That's, that's great. <laughs> so you originally drafted as a catcher uh as we have already talked about or so you, you obviously knew how to swing a bat and so being at the uh the brewers as an nl team you actually got to have a couple of major league at bats believe it or not and we've got you marked down as you were one for two so you officially ended your career as a 500 hitter in the big leagues yeah which is one of the highest averages in milwaukee brewer history what do you remember about your do you remember your hits or you're hitting prowess. Yeah. Yeah. I came into a game. We were playing the Braves and uh, yeah, I guess this was 08. Sounds like it. And anyway, I walk up to the plate and this guy throws a, I was ambushing. I was like, I'm swinging. I don't care where this ball is. I'm swinging (laughs) because when you're in the big leagues, like you just, you feel like you can just fly, you know, like I'm surprised most guys don't just try to sit there and try to try to fly because there's so much energy. Mm -hmm. And I walked up there and I'm like, I'm going to hit this sucker you know, off the slide right here. And the guy threw it. It's kind of an up pitch. And I swung right through it. And I was like, Ooh, this guy throws like 97. I turn around and it was like 86. And I was like, uh Oh, <laughs> I was like, I, that looked really fast. 
<laughs> so I was like, all right, don't get beat on this ball right here. And, uh, and the guy threw a changeup. And so there's a, I don't know if I still have the video, but there's a video of me like going to swing. And then I just completely collapsed because I was so early and I just go. Ugh. And so I check swung and it goes over the first baseman, Mark to share his head for a bloop single. And I was like, whoa. And I get on first base and I was like, I can't believe that just happened. Mark to share is like, he's like, uh, is that your first hit? I was like, yeah. I was like, that's my first at bat. He's like, wow, man, congratulations. And I was like, thanks, Mark Teixeira. I was like, man, I, I, I was like, I said, man, I, I wish I'd have seen it. <laughs> so we have this video of us kind of talking to each other. And then he just starts like, you know, laughing out loud. But yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know if my eyes were closed or not. And then the second at bat I got, I think was in 2011, I came into a game and gave up like a three run homer. And the game was close until I did that. So they were like, congratulations, you ruined the game. Now you get to go hit. And so, because they weren't going to hit for me. And so I went up there and struck out. So anyway, I've totally forgotten about that, though. (laughs) Tim, do you still have the ball from your first hit? Uh, Yeah, it's one of these up here. I got two balls that I got. Uh, I got the Aaron Boone strikeout ball. (laughs) He knows that. And then uh, I got the, I don't know where this other one is. Jorge Campillo. Yeah, here it is. Oh, it's got a sticker on it. The other one doesn't have a sticker. There you go. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Got on that. Yep. Jorge Campillo. He threw a change up. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Actually, I I wanted to ask about that. Like, okay, so you're you're in your first at bat, you're a pitcher. Like throwing a change up, I mean, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Like from one pitcher to another, like, I mean, obviously not me, but like, wouldn't that be something where you, you would typically not do that? Like you would just pipe fastballs by him and say, Oh, well, I don't know. I mean, is, do you even get into like a lot of secondary pitches when you've got a pitcher facing another pitcher in their first at bat ever? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, as a pitcher, I faced many pitchers and one of the wrong ways to think is oh this guy's just a pitcher i mean right we had zach grinky that right. guy crushes right so there's there's pitchers that can swing and we don't you know you don't really know is this the first guys that you know if this is at first at bat ever or, or not and um what you don't do is just groove a fastball in there and i think the way i took a just a huge hack on the first pitch if i was a pitcher and a guy if i don't care who it is if they take a swing like that i'm going not giving that to you right here <laughs> right <laughs> right you're showing me you're being aggressive i was like the last thing i want to do is throw a get me over and then whack see you ball so it made sense yeah but i mean in double a when you actually start facing uh pitchers hitting for the first time it's it's kind of messed up because i actually batted 300 the first half of my double a career because pitchers are afraid you know and so they're just throwing fastballs right down the middle i did the same thing too because a coach would come out to the mound and they would get you know hey this is the pitcher he probably can't hit whatever you do. Don't walk him. And so that seems like good advice, but it makes you kind of anxious. You're sitting there going, Oh, well, I don't want to walk him. So what ends up happening? You either throw the ball right down the middle or you, you know, you do walk him. So I guess the proper way to say that goes, Hey, this is the pitcher go right after him and strike him out. And so, but everyone, it's a learning curve. So the first half of double uh, a, when, when pitchers are facing pitchers, um, everybody did really well. Like pitchers had walks, pitchers had hits, but the second half when people kind of got used to it, it was like strikeout, strikeout, broken bat. <laughs> and you kind of get over it in that way. 
And uh, so, yeah, by the time you're in AAA in the big leagues, like they don't, you don't care who's standing up there. It could be the bat boy. You're like, I'm getting this guy out. <laughs> awesome. Now you also had three uh, minor league career home runs, I believe. Um, and so tell us what, what's a, what's a better feeling? <laughs> Hitting a professional baseball home run or striking out the side? I don't know. I don't know if I've ever struck out the side. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tell us about uh, your home run. I'll, I'll tell you after the father or son game this weekend. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, I, um, <laughs> um, the, you know, I, the home runs, one of the first one was in double a and it was, uh, it, it was kind of a close game at the time. And this guy, you know, left one over the plate and I crushed it. It was like a three run Homer. And that, that felt, that was a good feeling. The second home run I hit was in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We were playing the isotopes, and I just hit an absolute laser beam that probably didn't get much higher than the wall. And I don't even know if I was out of the batter's box by the time it ended. And so that was like in 2008. And then, you know, nothing really happened for several years. <laughs> so my favorite one uh, was in New Orleans in 2016. It was a day game, a day game in New Orleans in like wow. June. So everyone's just dripping. And I'm in the bullpen and we put a starter out there who only went like an inning and a third. So here I am just sitting there and they're like, Dillard, you're in the game. And I'm like, golly. So I come into the game and I try to get through this inning. And then I go sit in the dugout and I'm just like, Ugh. and they're like, hey, Dillard, you're up fourth. And I'm like, son of a gun. <laughs> I'm just dripping sweat. It's the second <laughs> inning of the game. I'm, I'm like, all right. So. I, I don't even pay attention to anything going on. I find a bat and I have no batting gloves. I walk up there and before I get in the box, I ask, they, I know all the umpires by this time, right? I've been in the league for, you know, like eight years, nine years. And uh, I was like, hey, John, I was like, how many outs? And he's like, uh, we got two outs. I was like, oh, man, because I was just going to bunt. Eric Young Jr. was on second base and I'm like, I'll just bunt him over. And they're like, nah, there's two outs. And I'm like, ah. So I stand in there, I stand up there and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to swing at the first pitch. And the, what I didn't know is that the pitcher on the other team for the, I think they were the baby cakes at this time, or maybe they were still the Zephyrs in new Orleans, but they, um, this guy had just gotten called up from their double A's, the Marlins franchise just got called up from double A. And he sees like this old bearded side armor come out of the bullpen to finish up the inning. And now he's batting. So like, of course, what's he going to do? Pitch me tough? No, he's going to give me something to you know get out on. And so I was like, I'm swinging first pitch no matter what. And I just, I was almost too tired, right? <laughs> I was just too tired and sweaty. And the guy threw the ball and it was just like a fastball away and down. And I'm like, uh, oh. so it tells me right away that he's going to make the adjustment. And the next pitch is going to be literally like fastball, thigh high, inner, inner half. So I was like, okay. I was like, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't get big. I was like, just short. I was like, just get the barrel to the ball. And this poor kid, he came set, checked second base, and then he throws it. And uh, I just absolutely mash it. And I, my first thought was, definitely, that's definitely gone. I was like, that's definitely gone. But just in case it doesn't go out or hits a pelican or something, right? Like, I need to make sure I run this out. I had um, uh, Keon Broxton was on deck. And so as a pitcher, one of the things you have to do, besides, besides like hitting and running the bases and stuff, you need to know the game because – Let's say I don't run hard and it hits off the wall and I get a single, but then here's Keon trying to get back to the big leagues and he hits a double in the gap, but I can't score. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I'm taking away some of his numbers. 
So I, I hit that ball and I'm like, that's probably gone. But, you know, in case it doesn't, I need to make sure I'm at least on second base. So I got a pretty, you know, healthy jog all the way to second. And then umpire was like, oh, it's gone. So I jog in and I didn't think much of it. I was so hot and tired. I was just like, whatever. It's a home run. Who cares? <laughs> and I step on home plate and I look up and Eric Young Jr. is just like, he's like, wow. And we had just done the video. From, remember Major League Two? Where, yeah. Um, where, uh, yeah. Epps is like, uh, you know. Willie Mays Hayes is like a movie actor or whatever. Uh-huh. And so we had shot the video <laughs> and I step on home plate, look up and EY is like, yeah, he goes white lightning. And I was like, black hammer. Black hammer. Like, yeah. <laughs> Jesse Ventura. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was, that was, I think that's why I enjoyed that so much. Um, just, just because, I mean, I hate to, you know, I'm sorry. I gave so many details, but I had to no, get to that great. moment no, because Eric Young Jr. Just made, you know, he made as a teammate, just made everything better. And so what I didn't know, he kind of beat me to the dugout and told everybody not to, sh- you know, shake my hand or high five me. So I get to the dugout. And it's just like crickets, like nothing going on. <laughs> and I sit down and I don't even care. I'm like, I don't care if they're doing this or not. But anyway, it was it was a fun moment. And here's the pitch. Holy and cow. Fly ball well hit the left field and the pitcher Tim Gillard has just gone yard. And look sure? at that Sky Sox bullpen. Those guys are going nuts. They are going nuts. Wow. He's apparently a pretty popular guy, as we mentioned. There wasn't anything funny about this, though. He just tattooed it, man. It was. There's no doubt about it. Seriously tagged, and you know, you had a figure, hey, you got to challenge. You got to challenge this pitcher here with two outs and see if he can swing the bat. I think you got an answer that you didn't like. It, it's not in the script that uh, we put together in our pre-production meeting, but I, since you brought up movies, I have to ask what, uh, what baseball movie is most true to real life for a major league and minor league baseball player? Ooh. Well, I mean, you got to love Bull Durham. Bull Durham yeah. is phenomenal, but you know, it's, it's dated. Things are different now in the minor league. So I would love to see that updated. Mm-hmm. I would love to write it myself if I could <laughs> maybe star in it. Never know. Um, <laughs> But truest, true, <laughs> I'm asking a lot here, uh, but no, I would say my favorite movie that I think is very accurate and it's going to sound strange, but hear me out is little big league where the kid manages yeah. the twins, the twins, which a good movie is because they, number one, they get real baseball players for a lot of the scenes. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the right fielder, the right fielder that crashes into the wall, Tucker Kane, uh, Michael, uh, Papa John, he actually is a stuntman and actor in Hollywood. He played the stuntman for uh, the Waterboy. He was. Oh, I didn't know that. So uh, they actually get real players. And but to me, it's all of the lingo, all of the lingo, all of the little games, all of the little quirks that that are throughout this movie are scary accurate to what goes on in a clubhouse, at a hotel, um, the conversations that happen, it is, it is spot on. That's really interesting. Besides the, you know, besides the, the 12 year old, yeah. the major league team. <laughs> when I was a kid, I really wanted to Every be that guy <laughs> that, yeah. that, that came out. I love the line where he's like, yeah, I love the line where he's like, they got, it's the American league. They got the D eight. Like, that's just, yeah. He, that, that kid, that actor was about the same age of the movie as I was in real life when that came out. And there was no job I would have wanted more except replace the yeah. twins with the brewers. But uh, yeah, I think Luke that, Edwards, I've, yeah. I've talked to him on the phone before. He's that's awesome. great. Wow. That's, that is, that is awesome. I, I think that uh, 
former uh, Brewers pitcher Brad Leslie was actually the main pitcher for the Twins of that movie. Uh, and and he's since Ooh. passed away, but he spent uh, a number of years with the Reds, but he pitched briefly for the Brewers in, I think, uh, 85, somewhere in there, uh, 1985 or so. So it's it's interesting uh-huh. when you talk about former players that come in and, and are in a movie like that. Well, it's a great movie. Uh, uh, Tony Todd plays Mickey Scales, the second baseman. Yep. And uh, I got to meet him in spring training uh last year i think which seems strange but yeah it seems like 10 years ago um but yeah he actually was in like a stuntman he was a stuntman in uh black panther um he's like real good friends childhood friends with uh charlie sheen uh that that movie is pretty impactful even nowadays just because of some of the people that were in it and how it got made uh there's some amazing stories in it sorry i'm not trying to go deep there was just nothing (laughs) Oh, you're, just... you're passing for movies. Now. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is awesome. Two of the best things in life, baseball and movies. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so again, just kind of continuing with our chronological journey, uh, your amazing journey through, through <clears throat> professional baseball, uh, 2013 through 2015, um, you actually had, had uh, been released by the Brewers, and then you would bounce around a little bit independent league, the. Lancaster Barms, the Barms Armors, and you pitched some winter league ball in Venezuela before finally coming back to spring training with the Brewers in 2015. Uh, do you have anything you can tell us about your, your experience th- through the, through those years? Yeah, um, it, it was difficult. After the 2012 season, I couldn't find a team uh, in America to sign me. So for spring training 2013, I was in Mexico. And um, I don't know, I was there about a month or five weeks and was doing really well and then got fired. So I came home and uh, I thought, well, maybe I'm done playing. But then I caught on with a team for another spring training uh, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. It's not Lancaster, it's Lancaster. You got to be, believe me, don't make the mistake <laughs> I made. Um, but it was, it was great. It was great. It was, uh, it's great baseball. And um, yeah. I stayed in shape. And sure enough, the Brewers called about a month into the season. And we're like, hey, we want to sign you back. So I was like, all right. So I hadn't really been home in uh, with my family in Nashville for probably the better part of two months. And then suddenly the Brewers picked me up and they put me right back home. So I was, I mean, what started out is, you know, what's going on? I'm in uh, a few months later ends with, man, I'm right back where I, you know, where I live and I get the place. So yeah, it was a pretty amazing time. And then 2014, the same thing happened, except they didn't put me in. Uh, when they picked me up at an independent ball, they didn't put me in Nashville. They put me in Huntsville. But I'm like, well, that's an hour and a half away. Not a big deal. But I met uh, Carlos Sobero, who, who was my manager in AA. And he got me a team in winter ball in Venezuela. So that's kind of you start seeing the threads, right? When you look back at a career, kind of like what we're doing, um, I, I maybe I can't articulate it. And you don't want me to because it takes too long. But you start seeing these threads that lead to different things. And you kind of see, you can look back and you can see that map of what got you different places. And so um, what seemed like a very strange couple of years were really just kind of leading the way to get me back with the Brewers in a more consistent setting. Because after, after the 14 season, they signed me back uh, for 15, 16, 17, and 18. All four years they were in Colorado Springs. Yep. The Colorado Springs Sky Sox chair. <laughs> That's my pant. That's my, that's what I stole because I was like four years here. I'm taking this chair with me. Um, don't don't, don't worry, yeah. Tim. Nobody watches this anyway, so it's fine. Nobody will even know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, did you hit the record button? <laughs> you thought about it. Yeah. 
as a little side note, I know it's your, your top shirt. I was a huge baseball card collector uh, as a kid, and I know Vince and Scott both collected cards too or whatever. But during your tenure with the Sky Sox, um, there's an iconic baseball card, and you know where I'm going with this, but uh, yeah. I, I believe you, you posed for it where you were about to get – uh, hitting a growing with a baseball. Is there a story behind that card? It took 67 takes. <laughs> this is the reason we really wanted this interview. We had to find this out. <laughs> no, no. The uh, photographer there, um, who I'd known at this time for a couple years now, uh, he was like, he was looking for the right baseball player to redo the Keith Comstock original minor yeah. league card where it's a real baseball card where it looks like he just misses the ball and it hits him right in the uh, how what, how do you what 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 rating is this podcast oh <laughs> uh, you can say you can say whatever we're good <laughs> okay groin i'm going with uh-huh. groin. Uh, <laughs> and uh so yeah jim Bluton like, would have said ding dong yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 right right in the yeah the groin <laughs> so anyway he thought hey you want to do it i'm like sure man like i don't care so yeah we just took a picture on the field of me getting hit in the groin with a ball and uh, I didn't know what he was going to do with it. He just wanted to make a baseball card. I just thought it was going to be like a picture, but he ended up making it into a baseball car- card and he gave me like 50 of them. So I'm sure I got a few somewhere. I actually got one that's like an eight by 10. I put it in a frame. And, uh, <laughs> and every time my wife leaves the house, I replace it with one of our family. Um, I'm not kidding. You think I'm joking. I'm, I'm, I'm I, I don't, but I do think it's awesome. <laughs> I will leave. I will take this headset off. I will leave. I will go get it and bring it back if you don't believe me. But uh, yeah, it kind of turned into a thing. Next thing I know, people are hitting me up on social media going, how do I get this baseball card? So uh, there was such a, I don't want to say demand because it sounds like people are looking for an Xbox or something, but there was a kind of a demand for it. And uh, so, yeah, the uh, photographer there, uh, decided, well, okay, well, we'll do like, you know, buy one for $5 and he's going to give the money uh, to a, the Wounded Warriors Foundation. So yeah, that kind of came about. It was actually really cool. Great cause as well. And uh, which baseball card do you get asked to sign the most often? Uh, the one I think that's sponsored by Kraft Cheese. That was a, that was a big one. There's one that's Kroger. <laughs> <laughs> sponsored that one that's a big one you did uh, actually have a tops card tim i mean you were in a, a I full yeah, tops yeah, yeah. card <laughs> that's right i didn't know that somebody somebody uh asked me to sign it and i'm like oh that's not me and they're like <laughs> and i'm like that is me i have a card yeah. <laughs> i actually called uh yeah I, I called my agent and i was like i have a card can, is there a way i can get some and he's like i'll check and he called he called tops and tops sent me like two cards so i was like sweet so yeah um but yeah i don't know i don't know what i usually sign i think it's whatever baseball card from that particular year so i was at the nashville sounds in 2019 and i probably signed that one the most the last couple years but i don't know i have tons of cards i didn't i was as a kid i always wanted you know a ton of big league cards right that's your dream i want 10 years in the show or more i want baseball cards galore and um you know that really wasn't my path but i do have tons of baseball cards they're just mostly minor leagues that's awesome so, so of course, you, well, I you even, you even had a bobblehead made of your made of you too. It's I think in the bobblehead uh, Hall of Fame here in Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, well, I didn't ask them to do it. They asked me if they could make it. The way you worded it made it sound like I was going around having the sucker made. And <laughs> <laughs> that would have been brilliant, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, they contacted me over Twitter and they were like, uh, "Hey, has anyone ever had a bobblehead of you?" And I was like, 
I was kind of, it kind of hurt my feelings. I was like, well, no, I've been trying, <laughs> you know, and I'm pointing at all these other people. This guy got a bobblehead, you know, I'm just kidding. Uh, but they were like, we want to make one. And I was like, okay. They're like, can we have your permission? I'm like, man, do whatever you want. And they're like, well, we want you to design it. And I was like, Ooh, I was like, absolutely. So yeah, I have it up here on my shelf on this side. Um, I'm wearing a beanie. I got my orange glasses that I always wear for whatever reason. Uh, they got my beard. I got a cell phone. I got a lightsaber. Um, just the random, you know, normal the lightsaber was normal things. <laughs> it breaks easily in the box, but it's worth it. <laughs> There's a lot going on in that bowhead. Is there anything that that unfortunately like ended on the cutting room floor that you had to remove that just wouldn't get wouldn't make it in the bobblehead? Yeah, I wanted to get like sky socks on the on the shirt or brewers or something. And, uh, you know, it was licensed, so you couldn't, <laughs> there's copyright infringement. Uh. And, uh, anyway, they couldn't <laughs> sign off on it. So I just have a blank shirt that's pinstripe. Um, I don't know. I got, I got pretty much everything that I wanted. Well, looking back though, I wish I would have put like a real big sign at the front of it. I don't even know what's on it. Maybe it's my name. I can't tell. Let me see if I got it here. Oh yeah. I wish I would have put in like a, uh, like a sign right here and then I could sign it. Cause otherwise there's really not a good place for me to sign it unless it's like on the bottom. Oh, I never mind. I guess you could sign the back, but you can't really see it. So moving forward, I was going to, you know, if I ever had another one, I'd put a sign here where you can just sign it. That'd be cool. Oh yeah. Hey buddy. What's up? <laughs> young and vibrant. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so you brought up uh, Nashville and, and I'd like to, to, ask you about your decision to sign with the Rangers uh, a couple seasons ago um, and kind of walk us through how that happened. What, uh, what led you to the Rangers organization? And, and uh, I'm sure it was great to be pitching at home uh, in Nashville to spend more time with your family uh, that season as well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, you know, at the end of the 2018 season, the Brewers were really nice and they told me up front, Hey, we're not looking to sign you back. They, uh, they were moving to San Antonio and the reason they had extra pitchers to begin with in Colorado Springs is because you're, it's the highest elevated stadium, I think, in the world. It's like playing on the moon. And what you don't know is that you know guys get hurt all the time. It's really hard to get guys healthy. Very few players that I had or teammates with uh, that whole time played like every day. Because you just, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, if you're in, let's say you're in Memphis and you slide in and kind of, you know, jam your knee a little bit, you're fine in a day. You do that in Colorado Springs, you may not play for a week you know, that kind of, uh, you just don't heal as fast. And, you know, no one ever really told anybody that. Um, so that's why I pretty much had a job for four years is a just in case guy, because everybody, you know, especially people getting called up and called down so fast, like you just kind of need extra people. So when they moved to San Antonio, they were like, listen, you know, you're kind of our extra guy. We don't really think we need you anymore. So I was like, well, that, that stings, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but I get it. I get it. So yeah, I just, started calling everybody my Rolodex and, and called every favor imaginable. And it was actually Vinny Rotino. Vinny Rotino was a scout for the Rangers. And he, uh, he texted me one day. was like, Hey, are you still playing? I'm like, I'm trying to find a place. He goes, well, I've heard your name tossed around a little bit. He's like, let me see what I can do. Let me see who I can talk to. Uh, and also Brian Anderson's brother, Mike Anderson, who's with the Rangers still, he, uh, I saw him in 2018 in September after the season was over, I got called up to do three games, I think three games of pre and post, uh, with Fox sports, Wisconsin. And so we were telling a yes. story. Yep. What I didn't know is he was Mike, uh, Brian Anderson's brother. 
So we're up in the press box. And uh, what I didn't know is back in 2006, sorry, we're, we're, we're time hopping here. In 2006, we were playing in double A. Uh, we were playing the Tennessee, I forgot the name, Tennessee Cubbies, West 10 Cubbies. Um, and Mike was the, the pitching coach of that team. So I was throwing, uh, it was about the, it was going to start the seventh inning and I had a no hitter going. I had a no hitter going through six innings and I start the seventh inning and I go through my delivery after getting the sign and I go to throw it and the lights go out <laughs> in the entire stadium called Pringles Park. Pringles Park went completely huh. dark. And yeah, I was, I mean, it was kind of a big deal at the time. Like who cares now? But so we're telling the story and Mike was just crying, laughing. So, cause he knew that there was something fishy going on because I don't know if it was because of him, but somebody turned the lights on, on off on purpose. So I had to wait wow. like 15, 20 minutes for the lights to come back on. And then my next pitch was like, boom, base hit the right field. So there, go, there went my no hitter. So, wow. you know how I got to the Rangers, all of that, I say, um, yeah, I think Mike, I think he, he felt a little guilty. And I uh, wanted to make sure Wow, <laughs> I was looking for a job. <laughs> can't, I can't back that up. Uh. <laughs> I, I, on a personal note, I live in Texas. I was very excited to go watch you pitch in San Antonio uh, or I was hoping in Arlington uh, if need be, but it was sorry yeah. that you weren't going to yeah. be moving I with mean, the first triple A team to San Antonio a couple seasons ago. Yeah. In uh, 2019, did you actually lead the entire Meyer leagues in innings pitched? I did. I did. So, you know, with the Rangers, yeah, they, they, uh, they brought me in and, and basically John Daniels was the GM there at the time. And they were sending me down from big league camp. And I was like, they go, Hey, we can't, you know, we don't know what to promise you in the minor leagues. You're kind of, you know, you're going to go to Nashville, which, you know, which is great because you live there. But at the same time, we don't know how much you're going to pitch, man. I'm thinking, why'd you guys bring it to big league camp? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah, I was like, I'm just happy to be around, man. And they were like, yeah, we're sending you down to, to AAA. And I'm like, that's cool, whatever. And um, I didn't even start off on the active roster. I was on the inactive roster. And so many things happened in like the first two or three weeks. Um, I thought I was actually about to get released because I got activated and I wasn't doing that great. And we were in Iowa and I pitched, I came into a game and, you know, kind of blew it through, through an inning didn't do that great. I think they had to take me out real quick. And, um, I was sitting at the hotel. This was early. This is April or first couple of weeks of the season. I was like, man, this isn't going well at all. And Brian Shouse, former teammate, he was my pitching coach. And he, he, uh, texts me and goes, what are you doing? And I was like, uh, about to go to bed. What's going on? He goes, I know you just pitched tonight. Can you start tomorrow? <laughs> kidding me. You yeah. just gotta be, you just gotta be willing to take the baseball sometimes. <laughs> that's, that's great. Was, uh, was Eric Gagne a pitching coach there that year as well? Yeah. He was a bullpen coach. That's what oh, I thought. Yeah. Gagne okay. is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> former Another teammate former teammate. Well. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's right. I, I was kind of wondering, like, um, is, is there any like kind of nagging injury that you might have that like maybe waking up in the morning or something like that? You're like, ah, that old injury, like anything that kind of hangs around from your, from your long illustrious career. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. No, man. That's all like, I need. Thank you. Man, I, no, no. I mean, you know, one of the things is, and I said this pretty much my entire career, if you can get out of this game after a long career, if you can get out and not have anything you know, to deal with. Cause a lot of guys, you know, that's, that's what ends their career, you know, a shoulder injury, an elbow, a knee. Um, 
you know, and so I'm very thankful that I don't have any issues like that. I've actually never missed a game due to an injury my entire career. Wow. Not to say that I wasn't hurt. You know, you have to define injury and hurt, right? So you can be hurt. There's guys hurt. You watch spring training. There's guys that are hurt. Like they're just, you know, or, or do they need to go on the DL or the IL, whatever they call it now? Like, you know, no, like you can play through and it, you have to find out what you can play through. And uh, so luckily, I mean, besides a couple of, you know, little things here and there, you know, I'm, it's probably just age probably has nothing to do with, with baseball for 20 years or whatever. But um, my dad told me right after I signed with the Brewers, uh, we're at the airport. And, you know, I'm about to fly out to Phoenix, start my professional career. My dad, who's, you know, done this life, um, you know, he kind of pulls me close and I'm just waiting for him to say something like, you know, love you. Good luck. Something like that. And he looks at me and he goes, be nice to the clubbies and stay out of the training room. (laughs) That's great advice. (laughs) I was like, what does that mean? You know, and I've joked around with him about it for years and, uh, but you know what, as I get older and I got family and, you know, you, 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 I consider like a lot of my teammates, like my teammates are family and, you know, how you treat them and all the people surrounding the game. Really what he was saying is, you know, treat the cub, treat the clubbies nice, right? Like they're, they're humans too. They're doing a job. This whole thing doesn't, doesn't work unless, you know, well, who you consider like the lowest man on the totem pole, they're right up there with you. Everybody's important. And he, and as far as the training room, uh, he just didn't want, he's like, if you want to play and be successful, you have to play, you have to be out there and you need to be the guy that takes the ball. He's like, don't go in the training room unless you have, you don't have, you know, unless there's something major. And so that's been my thing. I always stayed out of the training room unless I was shooting a video <laughs> with, with my actors when they're in the training. Um, but anyway, I don't know if he meant, I don't know if he meant all of that encompassed into that, but it's always stuck with me. Be nice to the clubby and stra- stay out of the training room. It's wow. probably that advice that helped us get this uh, you on this podcast, actually. So I really thank him for giving you that, that great <laughs> advice. So um, I did actually want to also mention, um, I know we talked a lot of, uh, uh, obviously, baseball and movies, but another thing close to my heart anyway is beer. And um, Broken Bat <laughs> Brewery has a, uh, a beer named after you, the, uh, the Tim Dillard's Berry Pale Ale, and it's absolutely delicious. We went down there for a, a quick pint or for, but um yeah. wanted to know a little bit about how that came along and um uh, if you have any kind of i don't know anything beer related that you want to talk about i guess <laughs> uh i mean yeah that was kind of crazy it actually led from the bobblehead guys they're good friends with the broken bat brewery guys so i don't know where oh, the nice. broken bat brewery guys i meet them and they're awesome and they're like we want to make a beer review and i'm like ha yeah 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 whatever and they're like seriously and i was like oh okay and they're like, can you think of a name? Like, what do you like about beer? All this stuff. So I kind of just, you know, told them what I like. And um, anyway, next thing I know, I did a Twitter poll trying to figure out the right name. And the name that won was the. <laughs> As you can see, right. You know, if you're um, I'm pretty pale. So anyway, it, it kind of stemmed from there. The next one's called the bearded IPA. Let's see, what is it? The bearded stirrup, the bearded stirrup IPA. Um, I don't know, but they're they're pretty high you know alcohol content like the artwork is fantabulous it's i great. mean yeah. i just those guys are amazing and anytime i'm in milwaukee i have to stop by if, even for a moment at least to say hi to those guys because what they do what they do is pretty awesome 
Yeah, in fact, the last time that uh, all of us were able to get together with the pandemic was uh, would have been around Christmas of 2019, and that's where we met <clears throat> to to have a beer. So it was your your beer. I think was the last one that we all had together actually as a crew. So it was delicious. It was awesome. <laughs> you should totally, you guys should totally, you should set up like a live show or something where you guys can record in there. I mean, it's a big we place. Talked a last time. They we could set there, yeah. Believe it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Big, great advice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, that idea. Yeah. We've had that one, Dillard. Thanks. <laughs> Jeez, Craig. <laughs> I like it, Tim. I'm gonna, I'm gonna run with that. We need to, uh, we do need to All talk right. with them again. <laughs> uh, no, they're they really ID? awesome guys. We did talk to them. Yeah, they are. Horse they are great guys. Horse boat. It's a horse and a boat. Speaking of some water. <laughs> iPhone snorkel. Yeah. Tim, snorkel Tim, how often do you? you go under, oh. How often do you get? Oh, I'm sorry. No, how often do you get up to Milwaukee? <laughs> Uh, these days uh man it's crazy I, I i i don't know i somehow find myself there even when i wouldn't think it like last year when the pandemic was going on <laughs> there was no baseball going on and i look online and i see the milwaukee milwaukee milkman and i'm like what in the world so i i sent him an email and it took him a month to get it and uh anyway they signed <laughs> me there for a month and so next thing i know like i had no intentions on going to milwaukee at any time i was in fact with the rangers they had to draw up a special contract because right. if you're affiliated with a team for you to play independent ball is like a whole lot of weird stuff like what happens if i go and get hurt like who's responsible for that what does this look like so basically i just was like let's just cross our fingers like i don't get hurt <laughs> and uh, so next thing i know i find myself in milwaukee again and i'm just like man i whatever whatever goes on i just find myself gravitating towards milwaukee and so who knows maybe maybe i'll find myself there uh this year again that'd be and great with you pitting for them they actually won the american association championship right yeah they were going to win it with or without me i just glad i <laughs> i jumped on when i did yeah I, I think it was the only uh it was definitely the last professional baseball game i saw was you pitching in milwaukee last summer uh happened to really? yeah yeah stop up for a game and nothing else was going on baseball wise at all of course uh with the pandemic so it was glad to actually catch some baseball uh last season so yeah was it the game where i took a line drive to the face and but i caught it and yes then the next pitch was a line drive it was yeah i believe that was I a game pitch, yeah i think i only pitched two times at home um yep yeah i'm in this game i'm doing pretty well the umpires all over the place and i like to kick the dirt on the mound right mm -hmm. when i'm upset i kick yep. the dirt yep. to let the umpire know that they need to focus up uh, but the milkman's feels like an all turf field. So I'm like kicking <laughs> grass. <laughs> it just didn't have the same thing, but I get, I have a guy like one, I have a guy like one, two, and I throw a great pitch and I'm like, that's got, I'm like, boom. And so no, it's, it's ball two. And I'm just livid. I'm like, golly. So I'm so mad. So I throw a, a you know, a pitch that this guy can hit because I just threw my good pitch and I didn't get it. So I had to throw him a pitch he could hit and he crushes it right at my face. I mean, I'm not even done throwing it. As far as I know, I don't even think the ball left my hand and it's already coming at my face. And so I throw my glove in front of it and stop it. And as soon as I realized that I had caught it, I mean, if you were watching, you probably saw me. I just, I grabbed it and I started yelling at the umpire because yep. I was like, that's your fault. I was like, when you don't call the right pitch, yep. then stuff like this happens. And I was just <laughs> laying into him and I didn't even throw the ball around the horn or doing it. I just threw it in the dugout and was like, give me another one. I was so hot. And I get back on the mound, new batter gets up there. <laughs> 
I throw the next pitch and the dude hits a rocket in the exact same spot, <laughs> except I couldn't get my glove up in time. And it hit me in the side of the hand. Pretty sure it broke my hand. I've been hit there a couple of times. Pretty sure it broke my hand. Um, but anyway, I was just like, that's never happened in my entire career. Have two back-to-back missiles back at me. So if somebody goes, well, what would happen if there was a third one? I was like a third one next pitch right back at me. I was like, I would have walked off the field into the stands <laughs> and you, and you never would have saw me again. <laughs> but I went, to, I went on the pitch. I threw a couple more innings after that with my yeah. hand, like growing another hand off to the side. Yeah. Wow. It's a, how would you rate the competition? <laughs> I mean, you had, you've obviously pitched at all the different levels of the minors. You pitched in the major leagues. How would you uh, describe the competition when you get to a place like uh, independent ball with the milkman? Yeah, I mean, you look around, all these guys have, prof- you know, like been, been with affiliated teams. Yeah, yep. Like every, you don't just find somebody that just hasn't been there. And some of the guys were, you know, huge prospects and some have played a long time Yeah, or even had big games, you know, in the big leagues. Um, and, and it, you know, there's really no egos there. Everybody's there to win. That's all they want is to win. And so it's a great environment as far as that goes. Um, but with last year, you know, with minor league baseball canceled, I think that the, you know, the, I don't know the the caliber of baseball was super high because right like where is everybody going to play? They're only going to play where yeah. baseball is being played. So right. I think it was like for those teams, man, they probably got the pick of the litter. They could have anybody they wanted. So every every position was strong. I saw some amazing defense. I saw some guys that could absolutely crush. I mean, it was good baseball, and I think everybody that did go and watch a game, I think they understood that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so. Going beyond the baseball uh, aspect of things, we, I think we need to talk about Twitter and social media and how in your minor league days you became a sensation on, on social media. So can you talk to us a little bit about that and, and what led you to, to start doing this? And I, you know, I'll, I'll speak for myself and say I personally remember laughing very hard at uh, your Harry Carey video in Brewer Spring Training years and years ago. I, I forget what year exactly it would have been, but probably somewhere in Oh, nine, maybe 2010, somewhere in there. Um, yeah. 2010. There's a video that I hope is destroyed from like 2003 or four instructionally for whatever reason. Like I just, I don't know. I always adapt to the people that are around me. So if I'm around a coach like Ed Cedar, um, you know, he tells me something and I'm like, uh-huh. okay, <laughs> okay, Eddie. Cause he's got a very specific voice and uh-huh. you know, it's like, Hey, you guys remember you're sliding into second base, no hands down, make sure they're up in the air. Um, you know, and I, and I grew up watching Harry Carey. So Harry Carey was always an easy one. So anytime something was going on in the bullpen, like, you know, kind of a boring game, maybe where nothing's happening, I would just try to spark things up. Like, Hey, everybody, here's, Here's ball seven to, <laughs> to Smith, and he's going to take his second walk of the at-bat. Hey, let's pause for station identification. WG in Chicago. <laughs> hey, we're back. You know, that kind of stuff. And just to keep things light, yeah. and uh, did, a, did a Tim Kirchin video on ESPN for whatever reason, uh, you know, like in 2012. But uh, once, one of my once, like, yeah, once some of the older, older players on the team and some of the coaches caught wind of it, like me doing that, uh, then I was having to do it. And that's what happened in 2010 is they called me up right before our day started in spring training. And they were like, we just want you to make fun of everybody. And I'm like, oh, great. Because we have nobody in there. You know, we have Trevor Hoffman, Latroy Hawkins. I'm like, you want me to make, you want to make fun of these guys? They're like, yes, make fun of them all. They're like, and it better be good, Dillard. I'm like, dang. You know, when people are like, be funny, it's like, ah. Oh. Uh-huh. So 
<laughs> yeah. So I just went around, I just went around and roasted everybody <laughs> and they were laughing. So I don't know. It's just, it's baseball's fun. And I don't, there, there's a lot of personalities in baseball. There's a lot of mm-hmm. talented people. And that's kind of what the social media was. Um, when I finally got it in 2013, probably really caught some steam in 2015, started making videos, mm-hmm. uh, just to kind of show what these guys can do. And, you know, you watch them play baseball and yes, they're good at baseball, but there's so much more to them. There's so many talented guys. They have hobbies. They have, I mean, a lot of good actors that we know, (laughs) Um, but they're just, they're just more than that. And so that's kind of what I think, uh, you know, that influence people were like, Oh, I've never seen a side of a baseball player like this before. So I think that's kind of why it caught on is just because they're seeing these guys that could play in the big leagues in no time, uh, you know, doing something ridiculous, like playing a bat guitar or, or whatever. Well, and it really provides an insight for, for, you know, a more casual fan that you're never going to get uh, otherwise. I mean, you've got uh, over 42,000 some followers, I think right now on, on Twitter. And it's, it's uh, certainly a perspective that I think, you know, not, not to overstate it, but you know, the last guy that perhaps gave an insight to fans like you have is maybe Jim Bouton, Bouton with uh, ball four. I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, when you're talking about, uh, you know, a video that allows fans to essentially be in the clubhouse with you. Yeah. That was kind of a big deal. <laughs> um, when we started doing this, uh, I, cause I asked all the coaches, uh, you know, I, I asked, I have these people that I ask for discernment. Right. And I just, cause I don't want to do anything that's just, you know, bad. And I didn't right. think I was going to do that, but there, you don't turn a camera on in the, in the clubhouse. Like you just, you just don't do it. Um, so for, the, for me to start doing that, people were very standoffish. But what I thought was great when I actually talked to the brewers um, is because I had built up a trust with them dating back to 2001, mm-hmm. you know, and they, they knew me, they knew what kind of person I am, a family man and all this. And um, I think that's kind of why they let mm-hmm. me have a little more leverage than maybe they should have. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. It, it's all for fun's sake. And, yeah. you know, guys, some guys want to participate, some don't. Um, but once they see, and here's, I wish I had a camera crew. I need an intern. Well, I kind of get an intern. Scott, uh, Scott has a whole like bunch of interns. Scenes. Yeah. Scott, Scott has interns. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, yeah. <laughs> get them in satellite, but like coverage. someone to film. Yeah. Yeah. From space. Shine the camera down. No, but we would make this, these videos and you know, sometimes they're funny. Sometimes they're not whatever. It doesn't really matter because what we're doing is, is really fun. I mean, we'll make this video. It may take five minutes. It may take 30 minutes or something. And I don't know if we've even had one take that long, but you know, we just, we goof off, we're laughing. And I, to me, that's what I remember the most of us actually, what we did to get this video right. done and, right. and people see the final product, but they don't see the behind the scenes. And that's what, you know, think about it. You know, that's why people have their business trips where they go and do like trust falls. Right. And they learn mm-hmm. how to work together as a team. It's the same thing. If we were on the beach building a sandcastle together, like you're just building a project together to share that experience and get to know each other. So I don't know, but it helped out because years later when I'd have a new teammate, they'd come in and be like, I've watched all your videos. I want to be be in one. And I'm like, excellent casting, casting. Uh Well, well, fans love it. And so when you're, when you're going through that and you know, you're preparing to do a, a skit from dumb and dumber or something, how does how does that work? Do you actually write something out or do you guys just watch Dumb and Dumber a few times and try to memorize the lines or how, how does that actually work? Yeah. So one of my favorite ones that we ever did is the first time we did like a, a single cut and this was in spring training. Um, we did Anchorman where he sings Afternoon Delight. Yes. I, I, I saw <laughs> the, the video guys, and loved it. All the guys are <laughs> Yeah. So it's like a, 
it's like a two to three minute scene. And so I, I, I uh, stole the video from the internet and then I edited it <laughs> so that it was only a minute, right? Cause you can only have a minute on Instagram. Uh, so you, I try to make videos right around a minute. And so I whittled it down to a minute and then I showed every guy's part. I went and did casting um, and I got the guys that I wanted. And so I was like, I set the scene and I'm like, here's what we're going to do. I was like, this is going to be your part and you're going to have to do this and do this, do this. So we listened to it a few times and everybody's like, all right, you know when to speak, you know when to speak. It took three takes. Uh, and it's one of my favorite videos just because everybody has a role in it and everyone nailed it, right? Like it, it's just, I love it when there's different, you know, speaking roles and everyone's kind of in on it. Cause you kind of look around and it, cause it, you almost lose yourself in it. I do. I'm sitting yeah. there like, man, that oh, really yeah. looks like we're actually having that conversation and we're not, but guys, <laughs> I remember after that. So we, we shot it in the clubhouse in front of a couple of lockers. But what you didn't see was about the, you know, 30 or something guys standing behind the camera that were watching it. They're like hands across, like, you know, they're like, oh, are they going to mess up? Who's going to mess up this time? You know? And yeah. So what it does is it takes pressure off the field because, yep. you know, performing on the field, that's difficult. Right. And you got to, yeah. you know, forget it yeah. and try to, try to, you know, relax. And so that's kind of what this stuff does. It provides an outlet for some of us. Which, uh, which one of your former teammates was the best actor? best actor yeah that's a lot that's a lot of them uh kyle wren was phenomenal i always look at uh jay chapman we had jay chapman he had the long hair he always played our uh female character which he was okay with <laughs> he, he'd laugh about it all the time uh but there's so many good ones you know it's interesting is i wish i would have done this with teammates i had like 10 years ago or well, sure. like 15 years ago because there's some characters in there that would have nailed some of these videos uh, but that technology just wasn't really, you know, around then. So, um, but yeah, I would say those guys are really good. I don't Great. know. Brandon yeah, Woodruff's that... been in a couple of videos. He's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of that dry sense of humor. It seems like. Yeah. I think that's, he's cool always thing, trying like, not you, to smile. When, when... <laughs> 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 when, when you do start doing these, now you have all these videos that you can always look back on and remember all your teammates and, and, and really just look back and laugh. And to me, I think this, uh, Social media is going to be part of baseball and entertainment going forward. And I think that you really put the fun back in baseball. I think people are drawn to that. And like you said, it literally loosens up your teammates and creates a great atmosphere. And <laughs> baseball is a game. And I think people sometimes lose sight of that, especially during this whole steroid era and, uh, you know, labor negotiations and all that. People just want to have fun. And I think you really bring that to baseball. And that, that's why I think people really do cherish your entire career in your baseball journey, Tim. So we, we've been, we've been on board watching this whole time and it's just been a blast. Uh, one, one other question I wanted to get to though, is I, your, I your Twitter sensation almost gave you some international fame. Uh, also, <laughs> can you tell us a story about how that you actually got to uh, lip sync a song at the premios Univision Deportes um, awards? Yeah. In 2017. Is that what it was? 17. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. that's, that's awesome. So, you know, I'd make these Latin videos where we're singing songs and people think it's funny that a gringo like me can say these words, but I'm telling you, like we, that's the music that we listen to in the clubhouse. Right. So some of these songs, I just, I would be singing and I'm like, I'd have to ask, we had, a uh, uh, Yadi Rivera and I'd be like, Yadi, am I, what am I saying right now? Is this a good song? Like, what <laughs> He's like, nah, man, he's like, you know, you don't, that's a, that's a rated R song. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, you know, like I have, I have guys that I'm like, is this a good song? Is this a good song? 
Um, so we made a couple of videos that spring training and they blew up, you know, we had hundreds of thousands of views and I mean, so much love, you know, for the, from the Latin community. So, um, I was getting guys in the clubhouse. We were doing stuff. Evanda Jesus jr. That we had that year, um, was one of my favorites. He was in a lot of my Latin videos. In fact, his dad played for the Cubs when my dad played for the Cubs and they used to turn, they used to turn double plays together. So to kind of show how baseball works in the family and stuff like that, like we never turned, I don't know, we may have turned a double play. I'm sure I can field my position some, but, um, but we made videos together and we got caught on to like the Univision today show, like the, whatever their today show is. And so I'm on this thing with me and Yvonne de Jesus. And so we're just sitting there, you know, I don't know what's going on. And then he would translate (laughs) for me and I'd be like, see gracias, you know, and we laugh and, uh, Anyway, at the end of the season, I got contacted and they were like, um, hey, we want you to we want to bring you and your wife to Miami for you to do a skit on stage at the Univision Primos Deportes Award Show. And I was just like, who is this? <laughs> is this a prank call? <laughs> is this spam call calling again? Yeah. So anyway, uh, they were like, they convinced me you have to do this. So I, I mean, I out of nowhere, I find myself in Miami staying at this really nice hotel and I go to this uh this production studio uh, for Univision and we're running over, you know, had, had the skit rolls. And so I kind of end up pretty much writing it and putting it together. And we start out with two backup dancers and end up get, having six backup dancers, <laughs> which is a promotion. That's a promotion in, uh, in, in Latin America. So yeah, we have pyrotechnics and all this stuff going on. And uh, it was, it was pretty awesome. Oscar de la Hoya was there. A lot of baseball wow. players, tons of soccer players were there. Um, some musical performances were going on. Wisson was there. It was, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. Um, and, and you absolutely this... knocked, knocked the performance out of the park. I, and I, I actually I, didn't screw it up. Yeah. That's, that's the best part. <laughs> I got, I was there a lot of pressure? I mean, <laughs> was, like knowing that this is such a big thing, was there a lot of pressure to like really nail the performance? I mean, we ran it, we ran it through a couple times and, uh, and the producer of the show started, you know, he was like, this is going to be huge. He was like, la- he was like trying to make it better. He was trying to make it bigger. He was trying to change the script so that we could get it sooner in the show and all this. And, um, I don't know. I, I get nervous about a lot of stuff. I get nervous. You know, when I step on the mound, I am kind of nervous because, you know, you don't really know what's going to happen. But for this, I was totally in. I was like, I didn't tell anyone I was doing it outside of my family and friends. I wanted the Bill Murray effect where you do something and then everyone finds out about it later. So that's what I did. I went down there and did it. Nobody even knew I was doing it. And then I started releasing videos and <laughs> afterwards of me dancing on stage. So it was awesome. I don't know. It was really cool. It was a really fun experience. That was- <laughs> All right. And the other thing I really, really wanted to ask you, actually, because we when we did some interviews in the past, this is always like one of the staple questions I had to ask him. Um, any place or any food? Now, you already mentioned cheesesteaks, but um, any food um, majors, minors, doesn't matter anywhere on the road that you absolutely loved. And it was like just like go through a, a couple of your favorite spots or favorite foods or something like that that you have to have while you're on the road. In Iowa, Des Moines, Iowa, there is a <laughs> zombie burger. Zombie burger is, is amazing. Uh, it is, it's got such a great selection of, you know, drinks, they, the burgers that they have. Um, they have one called like uh, Screaming Barbara. It's like a grilled cheese with a bacon and a burger and then another grilled cheese. Like the grilled cheese is a bun, like two grilled cheese. Yeah. Um, it's called nice. zombie burger. So like everything has like a zombie theme, you know, so 
Uh, there's like, you know, mannequins around and the artwork and everything like that. Their menu uh, is really cool. Uh, I love restaurants that are, you know, unique that kind of put that effort into it. I've actually, I've met the, the head chef there and the owner. Um, <laughs> I don't go in there and eat and drink for free anymore, but <laughs> I did get a t-shirt. Um, that's a, that's always a good one. I'm trying to think what else we went to the house of Nan King in uh, San Francisco. John Axford found that place. We went several times. Um, and it's like, you know, when you're walking around looking for a place to eat and you see, and you're like, Oh, there's two or three people in there. And you're like, maybe it's good. You don't know for sure. And you you see another place. This place had a line out the door, around the corner, down the street, like a mile. Like that's how wow. good this place was. And so we went really early because we had to eat there uh, before, you know, batting practice. So we got there by the time we stood in line, we were there. We stood in line for about 45 minutes or an hour and got up there. It's really small place, but some of the best, you know, Asian food I think I've ever eaten. Uh, that's really good. There's also a grilled cheesery in San Francisco. That's really good. Uh, I don't know why I don't ever eat a grilled cheese outside of those two places. <laughs> My kids are like, can I get a grilled cheese for dinner? And I'm like, grilled cheese? Yeah. But I'm like, man, I would crush a grilled cheese right now um, <laughs> after talking about it. But yeah, those are, those are, uh, yeah, those are a few of my, my favorite places. And then um, what's the, um, what, what's your go-to staple ballpark food? Like if, it, if you're just going to relax and watch a game. Hot dog. It's hard to, hard to beat a, a, you know, a, a beer and a dog. Like that's, that's what I want to do. I'm actually looking forward to it. If I get a chance to go to a sounds game or, Hey, maybe, a, maybe even a brewer's game. Like that's what I want to do. I want to sit in stands, eat a hot dog, drink a beer, watch a game because I haven't gotten to do it that much. <laughs> yeah. Tim, so, I, have a, I have a feeling that you're going to have a lot of friends in Milwaukee. If you come back for a brewer's game and you put that out there on social media, I'm sure that you could have like thousands of people at the bleachers or something. That'd be awesome. That'd be they awesome. Do, yeah. I, yeah, I don't. I don't know what the capacity is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Season, or if I can even yeah, get yeah. a ticket, but uh, whatever that looks like, if I can get my foot in the door, I'm taking it. I, I just, I don't know. And yeah, I do like tweeting that. I remember my wife told me years ago. She's like, "You need to stop telling people on Twitter where you're at." <laughs> and I was like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I probably shouldn't, but I don't know. I, I enjoy it. I was at the Broken Bat Brewery. Uh, I guess last summer when I was with the milkman and I just tweeted, Hey, broken bat, if anybody wants to show up and you know how many people showed up? Nobody. Really? <laughs> oh, if I lived in Milwaukee, oh, I'm sure we God. would have been there. <laughs> I yeah. No, I, was gonna, I blame COVID. I blame COVID. Yeah. Blame COVID. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One other kind of like just side personal note, uh, Tim, how do you like being a dad? Oh Yeah. That's I know, awesome. you, I know yeah, you had your yeah, kids yeah. in a couple of your 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 uh, internet videos and stuff like that, but like, how how has your life changed from being a young ball player to now now being the dad of a young family? Uh, I mean, I never thought I'd play long enough to have kids, you know, while I was playing. Much less the kids actually get to watch me go out there and compete to the point where they're old enough to remember. I got a twelve year old, a ten year old, a five year old, um, and it, it's really it made me a better ball player in a lot of ways because those moments when nothing's going your way and all you want to do is give up. Um, there was actual moments. I was on the mound going, this is absurd. Like, this is the worst thing. I just, I'm about to shut down. Like, I just want to give up. And I'd look in the stands and I could see my kids watching me or they'd be watching their iPad or something, but sometimes they were watching <laughs> me. And, uh, and I'm like, I would never, 
you know, tell them it's okay. Like, yeah, just give up. Who cares? So there are some times where I'm like, man, you know what? I'm going to put my foot on the rubber and just try to make a bet, you know, the best pitch possible, even though it seems like the hitters know exactly what's coming. Like you just can't, you just got to compete, you know? And I always have told them that, uh, but for them to actually be old enough to see me actually do it myself. Um, anyway, it's pretty special and it makes you, it makes you compete in a way that maybe I couldn't when I was uh, not a dad. It, was there, a, was there a time, you know, at some point since 2012 that you, did you realize that you weren't going to be back in the big leagues at any, at any point in time, or were you, when you were pitching in the minor leagues, continually just really trying to get back up to Milwaukee or to get to uh, Texas? Yeah. I, you know, if you have a Jersey, you have a chance. I know yeah. it sounds cliche. Yeah. And no, like all. I, like I told you, the, the GM with the Rangers in 2019, he told me that, Hey man, you're probably not going to play that much. And I end up throwing more innings than anyone in the minor leagues. So yep. you don't, you <laughs> don't know what's going to happen. Um, and, and that's a, that's a, that's a, tough thing but it's also a great thing because it should give you hope one year we were in nashville and since i played like nine years in nashville it's hard they, they run together but one year um we had somebody come in a rover came in and kind of you know was yelling at us a little bit because uh we had guys that were in the 40-man roster but they had added a hitter to the 40-man roster and called him up because he was doing well and they called up a pitcher they added him to the 40-man roster and uh, and pulled him up and uh so he goes, hey, for all of you guys that are on the 40, man, that did not get called up to the big leagues, that should be a slap in the face. Like, we, you're on the roster, and we could have called you up, but instead, we decided to add this guy to the roster and call him up. And then he's like, and for everybody that's not on the roster, this ought to pump you up, because we're just looking for the best players to call up to the big leagues. And I, I remember in that moment thinking, that, that's exactly how I feel. You don't know mm -hmm. what's going to happen. That's you right. don't know what's going to happen. And it can be at any level, too. Uh, you just, in, I think in the minor leagues, a lot of times you kind of look in the stands and you're like, does anybody care? Like, does anybody care what I'm doing right now? Uh, you, you almost need, you almost need verification of like, yes, what you're doing matters or something like that. I don't know what it is, but mm -hmm. you just need to know that people are somehow somewhere paying attention. And in that moment, I realized like, you know what, maybe they are, maybe they're not, but that has nothing to do with the, what you're doing out there. So, I mean, every single moment I spent in the clubhouse, I thought, man, this could, I could be called up right now. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference. There's a difference. I, you know, the, instead of could and a should, I operate in the coulds. Like, could I get called up? Yes. Uh, and that's a positive thing. That kind of drives what you're doing. Like, hey, today could be the day, right? Yep. Um, as opposed to should, because there's a lot of shoulds out there. The shoulds are, I should be called up. Like, why was he called up? I should be called up. You know, I shouldn't have been sent down. <laughs> so there's shoulds and coulds, and I try to operate in the coulds. Yeah, a, a more positive attitude. Sure. Yeah. Well, Tim, you're, you're an incredibly talented, talented baseball player and uh, talented uh, entertainer as well. And I think uh, our, our listeners and our viewers and have been very um, fortunate to have you come through the big leagues as a Milwaukee Brewer. And I think they only have one question. Um, when you get that call to the hall, are you going to go in with a Brewer cap on? <laughs> what, what, what hall? My, my hallway? <laughs> I'm not even a Hall of Famer in my own house. I walk out, I'm like, hey, what's up, kids? And they're like, this guy. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I mean, I, it, it's, it's, it's strange. You know, I always, I always admired Ryan Sandberg, Cal Ripken, these guys that spent so long with one club. Um, and I, I remember as a young kid in high school, I was like, man, I want to do that. I want to play pro ball. I want to play for one team in the big leagues for, you know, decades. And uh, anyway, it didn't happen in that regard, but I've had so much joy and fun uh, and ex 
experiences and the brewers are the biggest part of that. You know, they put me in positions where I got to go to different cities and experience life in this way. So I don't know. I mean, the brewers are family. Do you, do you foresee uh, doing something with the brewers after uh, uh, now that you're officially retired from the playing side of baseball? I don't know. I don't know. Or I do know. <laughs> I think that's I think that's the one question that our listeners are probably really excited about. Yeah. Like, what's next for Tim Dillard? Uh, you, you know, I, I got some stuff, uh, you know, behind the scenes going and uh, who knows, maybe in the next few days, something will something will come out. But I don't know. I don't know. I just I know I would never walk away from the game if I had a chance to stay in it at any capacity. Um, if I didn't know that there was something even more exciting available. So at this point in my life, I had to retire because, you know, I got, I got offered a position that I couldn't turn down. So I'm really excited to, you know, when that comes out, I was told I'm not allowed to share it. So anyway. <laughs> so it's been nearly 20 years. It'll be 20 years this summer since you're originally drafted by the Brewers. And it's been quite the journey as we, and we really appreciate you taking the time today to go over your incredible baseball journey and share some, some of those great stories and your philosophies on, on everything with us and our, and our, and our listeners. So thanks again, Tim, for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. And we, we can't wait to see what, what happens next with Tim Dillard. No, I appreciate it guys. This is, this is awesome. I, uh, I'm sorry. I was so long winded. Uh, but that's oh, your no. fault. That's your fault. You could have cut me off at any time, and you didn't. <laughs> no, this 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 truly has been great, Tim. We really do appreciate your uh, your time today, and uh, I hope that we don't go as you know like fifteen years between interviews uh, now. So you're always welcome yeah. back on our podcast or a Zoom call whenever uh, you'd like. No, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. My, look how much beard I've gotten since you know those 15, <laughs> since fifteen years ago getting interviewed. <laughs> Scott was worried think, that his beard was, was not long enough. Getting at this podcast, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Craig's got like two more kids than last time. I mean, lots of things have changed. So yeah, yeah you're, you're gonna have to divide this episode into like three parts. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- thanks a lot for joining us, and, and we're gonna go with our our normal show send off as a, as a movie buff. I'm sure you're gonna be familiar with. But uh, stay classy, Tim, and go Brewers. Stay classy, Wisconsin. (laughs) Go Brewers. (laughs) Go Brewers. And outside the broker review, I'd just like to congratulate Tim Diller because less than 48 hours after our interview with Tim, it was announced through the media that Tim Diller, Vinny Rotina, and Chris Singleton will be joining the Fox Sports Wisconsin broadcast team. Tim will serve as a primary Brewers Live pregame and postgame analyst as well as provide color commentary on select telecasts. Congratulations, Tim, and we're so proud that you're still part of the Milwaukee Brewers family.